Good morning. It is five minutes after six. Today is Friday, August 28th. Welcome to your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. I am Miriam L. Wallach, sitting in just for a few moments, just for a few moments, for the great Nachum Siegel, who will be here probably within the next 25 minutes. And until then, got a number of different songs to play for you on this Erev Shabbos, and hope you will enjoy listening along with me. Menola Mapa 
everything you worked for comes undone. You hit rock bottom when all the answers asked for seem ignored. 'Cause you never got 'em. There's not a door you haven't tried, but every key is locked inside. Your faith is shaken to the ground. When all the hope you cling to slips away, you're treading water. When desert winds are blowing sand astray, sun's getting hotter. The highest mountains block your view. The woods are deep you can't see through. You're losing hope you'll ever find your way.
Anything better than an amazing mix of Erev Shabbos music? Anything better than that? That comes from the Kalbach Friday Night CD done by Srilly Williger. We took you from, uh, wow, we took you from Lachun Aranana <laughs> all the way through um, Moshe Viaron, which is an amazing selection. So many people love that selection. Um, here on a uh, Friday morning broadcast at JM in the AM, 14 minutes before... 7 o'clock on this Friday morning broadcast on your Erev Shabbos. Um, big thank you to uh, Miriam L. Wallach for starting things off today. Much appreciated. The the um, <laughs> I, I don't usually go into details about this Williamsburg minion that I discovered you know years ago when my father passed away. Uh, and some people find hard to, but this morning I just have to share this. The, 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 and I don't know if this is funny or not. A lot of people will think it's not funny, but it's, it's amazing. Let's put it that way. Um, eight minutes. Was it eight minutes? No, excuse me. Ten minutes after the, uh, after the first Kaddish Drabanon, um, after Karbanos. Ten minutes later, we were at, um, we were at Kedusha this morning. <laughs> In fact, you know, this is a very fast minion in general. And as fast as it is, <laughs> so when the Balshachers got up to Davin this morning, I heard someone say, fasten your seatbelts. I said, my gosh, fasten your seatbelts like that every day. What could happen today? And he was ultra speedy. Anyway, uh, if you wonder if a minion like that exists, in fact it does. And it's been very helpful to people like me who are late for work even before Minion starts. Uh, JM and the AM at 12 minutes before 7 o'clock. Congressman Dan Donovan is scheduled. We'll join, uh, he'll join us coming up. Just got back from Israel 
few days back, and uh, we'll speak with him coming up. A lot of uh, people in our listening audience, uh, constituents of his um, in Staten Island, Brooklyn, etc. Malcolm Holmline, an hour from now, uh, he is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Malcolm Holmline is um, going to join us for the weekly update coming up, and that happens... Uh, 7.40 Eastern Time every single Friday morning. So you'll hear that here at JM in the AM. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Kitetze, candle lighting time 7.14. 7.14 is candle lighting time on this Erev Shabbos. We're a week away from Slichus. Our friends in the Sephardic community, of course, have been saying Slichus already. We are uh, basically a week away, right? A week from tomorrow night. I think that's the... Uh, isn't isn't Slichus usually the uh, anniversary of JM Sunday? If I'm not mistaken, it is. And um, Matis continues to present an amazing edition of JM Sunday every single Sunday. You are invited to uh, to check it out. Uh, Sundays between 7 and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on our stream at jmtheam.org. You can catch it on the NSN app. It is a very effective way to tune in and listen and enjoy. So check out JM Sunday every single Sunday between 7 and 9 a.m., on jmnam.org and on the NSN app. Ten minutes before 7 o'clock, we'll do our news from Israel at the top of the hour. Congressman Dan Donovan joins us. Malcolm Holland, of course, the weekly update. Rabbi Yudin has set his words about the Torah portion of the week. He said, say, we'll have later on and plenty more if you keep it right here at JM in the AM.
They call that the Rabbi Shmuel Brazil medley off of the Raza de Shabbos CD here at JM in the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Congressman Dan Donovan, 11th District, New York, is going to join us. I'm trying to pull up his statement on the uh, Iran deal, and for some reason it is not coming up. I don't know why. Oh, here it is. I just got it. Okay. So we'll speak about that, and uh, we'll. Oh no, it will not. For some reason, will not come up. I thought it would, and it's not showing up. I don't know why. Hmm. Um. Hopefully, we'll be able to uh, to find it and get it before he joins us on the air. Meanwhile, it's not allowing us to access it. Anyway, uh, did we do the ID? We certainly did. Moving into the next hour, Galitzal in the background, news from Israel coming up. We're here until 9 o'clock. Of course, Rabbi Yudin will join us. Torah portion of the week. Of course, Malcolm Holmline with the weekly update. Of course, um, of course, um, uh, as we said, Congressman Dan Donovan and plenty more happening here at JM in the AM. Don't forget that Roy Newberger is scheduled for Monday here at JM in the AM. He is um, one of the Jewish world's most prolific authors. Been a guest of ours before. Why? Oh, I, I better look my best Monday. Usually he brings a video crew to video the appearances that he makes here at JM in the AM. So Roy Newberger is scheduled this coming Monday here at JM in the AM in the 8 o'clock hour. Should be very, very interesting. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a... Oh, boy, come on. 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday. I was about to say follows next, but of course we just lost our feed from the newsroom in Israel. Hopefully we'll have it back within a second or so, I certainly hope. And if we do, we will present the news from Israel here at JM in the AM. And if not, obviously we'll move into the next hour of programming. Here I
צעיר בן 25 נפצע באורח קשה בתאונת דרכים סמוך לצומת ציפורי. כתבתנו יערה שפירא מוסרת כי בתאונה שבה היו מעורבים שני כלי רכב, נפצע אדם נוסף באורח בינוני ושלושה באורח קל. הם מפונים בשעה זו לבית החולים האיטלקי בנצרת. מוקדם יותר, צעיר בן 27 נפצע באורח קשה בתאונת צניחה סמוך לבאר שבע. הוא פונה עם חבלות בגפיים לבית החולים סורוקה. כתבנו רמי שני מוסר כי תראה מתברר אם נפגע בשל נחיתה לא נכונה או כתוצאה מתקלה במצנח. עובדי רשות השידור התבצרו הערב במבני הרשות בירושלים ובתל אביב במחאה על הכוונה לפטר מאות מהם. כתבתנו שירה הדס נקר. העובדים התכנסו בשעה שבע יחד עם בני משפחותיהם במבני רשות השידור בירושלים ובתל אביב, התקיימו שם קבלת שבת ולאחר מכן יישארו והתבצרו במקום. יומן הערב בערוץ הראשון יעביר בשידורך עדכונים מההפגנה. במוצאי שבת ימשיכו את פעולות המחאה במבנים ובראשון בבוקר יצעדו לכנסת לקראת הדיון בוועדה המיוחדת על השידור הציבורי. שלושה ימים לאחר חתימה על הסכם רגיעה עם קוריאה הצפונית, קוריאה הדרומית וארצות הברית עורכות תרגיל צבאי משותף הגדול ביותר שקיימו. התרגיל הזה מלמד אותנו על היכולות הצבאיות המשותפות של קוריאה הדרומית וארצות הברית, אומר הקפטן האמריקני ג'ייסון יו, הוא הוסיף, התרגיל הזה נועד כמובן למנוע מהלך מתריס של פיונגיאנג. מזג האוויר, ללא שינוי ניכר בטמפרטורות, אלה החדשות שעורך רון כלף, בצוות נווה וייס ורן לויה.
It's some of the amazing selections from the great Ben Sion Schenker we love featuring his material. 
on Erev Shabbos here at JM. Have you heard Prok and Menucha Vesimcha, Tzur Mishalo in there, and this Yadid Nefesh is simply spectacular. JM and the AM at 20 minutes after 7 o'clock. Candle lighting time at 7.14 on this Erev Shabbos. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. It's Erev Shabbos, Parshas Kitetze. Rabbi Yudin, of course, will address all that coming up. And uh, Malcolm Holmline will join us, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He is um, He has plenty to tell us about what's going on in this crazy world of ours, and we'll get that uh, weekly update from him about 7.40 this morning right here, as we do every Friday. At JM in the AM. Well, as we've been telling you, uh, Congressman Dan Donovan, who we are told, uh, just recently returned from a trip to Israel and has been one of the most, uh, outspoken people, reg- members of Congress regarding the, um, Iran deal. He's with us live via telephone. Congressman Donovan represents the, uh, 11th district in, um, in New York State and includes a lot of our listeners. Uh, I might add, as we always point out, Congressman Dan Donovan, welcome back to JM in the AM. Malcolm, thank you so much for having me on the show again. What a pleasure. It is great to have a friend in the United States Congress, and in this case, not just a friend of this show, which you've been for so long, but a friend, I believe, of Israel and uh, and other democratic nations that we care about and that we want to align with. Could you give me, Congressman, a, before we talk about your trip and the different things that you experienced, could you give me a synopsis of your reaction to the deal that the president is now proposing and that Congress will be voting on with Iran. It was a dangerous mistake, Nakam. Uh, this is going to put the world at peril, this deal, if it goes through. Not just Israel, our greatest ally of the United States, not just in the Middle East, maybe in the world, but it's going to put a threat to those Arab nations surrounding Israel. It's going to be a threat to the United States. It's going to be a threat to the entire world. It, this deal, as it's set up now, guarantees that Iran, if it follows all the restrictions, and it, and it may, if it follows all the restrictions that are placed upon it during this deal in order to relieve it of the sanctions that are imposed right now, it will guarantee that they'll have a nuclear arsenal in 10 to 13 years. It's a very dangerous deal. Uh, the Prime Minister said it's a historic mistake. I'm saying it's a dangerous mistake. Um, it must be fascinating to you as this debate goes on, who gets this in Washington and who doesn't? Some of whom, again, you know, not a lot of people, so I should say some public officials are not as, uh, you know, around the country, not as familiar with foreign policy in the Middle East situation. So some of it is, you know, easier to understand why someone may not get it. But it must be fascinating to you to look at some of the veterans of the United States Congress, some of the people who've been there a long time, some even who've really, you know, touted how that much they support Israel and how critical Israel and, frankly, the future of the United States is to them, and yet they end up on the other side of the issue. Are you amazed by that, or you have a different reaction? You know, I don't know if it's partisanship. I don't know if it's the pressure from the administration on some of the Democratic members. I think the Republican members of Congress are standing together strongly. Uh, in order to override a veto of the president, we need about 290 members to vote the deal down. Right. Uh, if all Republicans stand strong, that's 247. We need 43 Democrats to join us. Some have already, uh, Congressman Elliot Engel, Congresswoman uh, Kathleen Rice, right. Congresswoman Grace uh, Meng, right. uh, yesterday Carolyn Maloney. So we're starting to pick up some momentum with our Democratic friends. I think the difficulty may be uh, in the Senate. I'm not too sure. They need 67 
United States senators to vote the deal down in order to override a veto. I haven't done the head count over there. I'm not sure that the Republicans over in the Senate have done the head count yet, but I think that's going to be a, a tougher task. The New York Senate delegation uh, was interesting to watch, right, as, as, all, as all that was happening and they were reaching their decisions? Yeah, they split. Yeah. Uh, Senator Gillibrand voted in favor of the deal or said she will vote in favor of the deal. Right. Senator Schumer said he was against it. So um, I didn't see the reasoning behind uh, Senator Gillibrand's decision. I did see uh, the piece that Senator Schumer wrote, and he lays out all of the reasons why this is a terrible deal for Israel, and it's a terrible deal for the United States. The United States, Malcolm, have has gotten nothing out of this. There's four Americans right now being held illegally in Iran, and part of this negotiation wasn't even to release the four uh, citizens that are being held illegally over there. Yeah. I think uh, you may have seen past administrations wouldn't even went to the negotiating table until those Americans were back home safely. Yeah, no question about that. Dan Donovan, he's a congressman in the 11th District, New York, is with us. Uh, you, by the way, you realize how many listeners of ours are in, are your constituents, right? We've got a, we've got a big crowd out there, me and you. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm so glad. They were very supportive in my last election. That's true. And I, can, I hope that I'm making them proud. <laughs> I have a feeling you are. So tell me about the trip. You're just back how many days ago? Oh, I just recently got back last week. It was my very first trip to Israel. And before I left, Many people, including your brother, told me it would be a life-changing experience. What they didn't tell me was how life-changing it would be. It was absolutely amazing. I am telling everyone I could speak to, anyone that will listen to me, that once in your lifetime, everyone should visit Israel. It's historic. It's religious. The resolve, the devotion, love of country that the Israeli people have for their, the state of Israel is absolutely amazing. And you get to see firsthand the constant threat that that community is under. It was absolutely remarkable. Uh, the IDF, Israel Defense Forces, I'm sure very impressive to you. And what's most impressive, and I'm sure you picked this up, you see the way people there value and treat their soldiers in the army, those who are just walking the streets, protecting them on a regular day, and obviously those on the front as well. It gives the country a real patriotic feel. It really does. And when we, we got to meet IDF uh, members, they're, they're young individuals, they're Israelis, they're Austrian, Australians, they're Americans who right. go over uh, because that's where their ancestry is, and they feel this desire, this need to go and serve their country, it's absolutely remarkable. You know, you, I tell people in the United States, Naka, when we send our young people off to, to protect, uh, you know, in, in very dangerous lands, we send them by plane. We seen we saw parents dropping their children off at their military post right. after weekend leave, right. uh, and we would from we went from Gaza to the Golan Heights. We saw the threats from Hamas down in Gaza. The Hezbollah up in Syria and Lebanon, uh, the threat of Hamas and, and the uh, ISIS from Jordan. I mean, uh, it was just absolutely remarkable. And, you know, people ask, so why do you stay? You know, a, a young person, by the time they reach 18 years old, might have experienced, you know, a thousand red alerts where they have 15 seconds to run to a bomb shelter. Yep. And everyone tells you, we love this country. <laughs> We're not leaving. We're here forever. We will defend it. We will fight for it. And it is just 
absolutely, like I said before, the devotion, the resolve, and love of country was the most amazing thing for me. It is unbelievable. By the way, on the IDF front, if you would have stayed long enough, you probably would have ran into some uh, IDF soldiers from Staten Island. I just want you to know. You know they're from everywhere here in the United States. They are from everywhere. It's, <laughs> it's absolutely a real, real commitment that people have for their country. So the lesson, I guess, of this trip and in general, when you uh, view what's happening in this world of ours and you talk about all those threats on Israel's borders, and we know the threat to the United States as well, because Iran has been very, very clear about their intentions in the long run. Uh, freedom comes at a price, and the freedom is difficult to defend. And you know, and it certainly sounds like you're taking it very seriously, that you have a role in Washington uh, that you were sent to do, that you were sent to uh, embark on. That's very important, and uh, it's obvious you're not taking this responsibility lightly. I have told people when they ask me about serving in Congress, there's 300 and 14 million people in the United States. There's only 435 of us. It is a remarkable responsibility, and it's an incredible privilege to serve. Those are two things I will never forget. And this vote that we are going to cast sometime before September 17th, when we go back to Washington after the recess, people have said is going to be the most important foreign affairs vote Congress has made since the Treaty of Versailles in 1920. That is an incredible responsibility. I hope my colleagues join us in making the right decision. And I hope that our constituents out there, uh, respectfully, no matter what side of the aisle they're on, contact you and let they and let you know uh, what they think of your decision and uh, how things are progressing on your end on this issue in Congress. Uh, Congressman Dan Donovan, can't thank you enough. Best regards to everybody out there in Staten Island and Brooklyn. I am so glad to hear the trip to Israel was amazing. And as you said, it's going to stay with you forever. I, every, one, every one of your listeners who haven't visited, please do yourself a favor. Don't do the country of Israel a favor. Do yourself a favor and go visit that marvelous country. A congressional declaration by Congressman Donovan. If you haven't been to Israel yet, get there ASAP. Congressman, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, my friend. Anytime. Speak to you soon. 7.30 in the morning on a Friday. JM in the AM. More about current events and what's happening in this world of ours. We get to the weekly update a little later on. About 10 minutes away with Malcolm Honline here at JM in the AM. And plenty more. Rabbi Yudin, of course, will join us with the Torah portion of the week. We'll wrap things up at 9 o'clock. Amazing day on our stream all through the day, including our uh, Kedem presentation of an incredible Erev Shabbos music mix that goes on all day long. Make sure to be tuned in on the NSN app. JM Sunday with Matis happens Sunday morning starting at 7 a.m. He'll have news from English featured during that JM Sunday as he does every single week. There is just so much happening. And Roy Newberger, Roy Newberger visits us 8 o'clock in the morning on Monday. He is one of the world's most prolific, or I should say one of the Jewish world's most prolific authors, an incredible lecturer, wonderful columnist, and he has a great story. His whole life is one Great story. He'll join us Monday at JM in the AM.
zachar bedibureachad hishmiyanu kelam yuchad Hashem echad ushma yachad l'shem ulseferes vilisiva.
ליבי במזרח. This is part of the Spartak medley from Yaakov Shweki's Live in Israel. Both amazing selections. Uh, before that, Shalshelis uh, with Lachad Odi off of volume number four. I want to thank Congressman Dan Donovan for joining us. Get to add him to the list of people who are against the Iran deal. Uh, I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldview.com who continue to enthusiastically recommend our live stream and uh, activity on our NSN app to all of their amazing readers uh, in the hundreds of thousands. And if you want to print out a billion, well, a billion may be an exaggeration. I want to print out a lot of articles before Shabbos about what's happening in this world of ours and get some great commentary and analysis. Check out JewishWorldview.com. And I also got to give a tremendous shout-out to our friends at OnlySimplas.com. I mentioned this already for the last few weeks. They have embarked on a uh, really a new angle, an additional angle, I should say, uh, to their whole Simcha angle, which is pretty remarkable. And that is a um, being a, a news feed, a news provider for different things happening in the Jewish world. And I am proud to say that we continue <laughs> that we continue in their evaluation to make news and do special things that they alert their readers to, and it's greatly appreciated. Check out OnlySimchas.com for both the Simchas and otherwise. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of major American Jewish organizations, joins us for the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Oh, good to be with you, Nachum. The rumor is that there are listeners of this segment up in Montreal, Canada. What do you have to say to that? Well, we should give them a shout-out, because I was there Wednesday night in this amazing event launching their annual uh, campaign uh, together with Mayim Bialik and... Uh, it was remarkable that a number of the people there came up and said they listen every Friday and how much they enjoy the program. Uh, they listen on the Internet, and this is the you know, testimony to the international nature. Yeah. So we okay. have to do part of this in French. <laughs> <laughs> the, they, um, they know how supportive their government has been for Israel, right? Yeah, as you know, when you 
talk to them, you get actually they know more about what's going on in the United States than most American audiences do. Wow. And follow the issues very carefully. And of course, the government of uh, Mr. Harper has been uh, super phenomenal and, and, and announced, by the way, right away that they would not remove their sanctions. Right. Uh, because they understand who we're dealing with and that, that the only way to keep Iran's feet to the fire is to pressure them, keep the sanctions on. Do all you can to uh, to assure at least minimum compliance. Uh, Malcolm, with the with what's happening recently with the vote, etc., uh, it seems that the, it, it's sort of the battle of the full page ads. What are your thoughts when members, when former members of Congress take out full page ads? What are your thoughts when people who are now not involved anymore in the political process weigh in? And make strong statements. In this case, the one I'm referring to uh, is one in support of the International Nuclear Weapons Agreement between the P- P5 plus one nations and Iran. Well, you raise a couple of important questions, and, and one is always the question of, of is it worth the expenditures? Do we just make newspapers rich or radio stations or others? Radio stations, I'm sure, are okay with you, but <laughs> newspapers may be a problem. And, uh, and if you listen to what members of Congress have said, uh, that that it doesn't affect them uh, so much. The he said it's, they say it is the um, messages, the visits, the calls from constituents who are identifying and that they can identify even more uh, that has the greatest impact. But there is something about creating public opinion. Look at every poll; it shows that voters. This latest one, uh, voters in Florida, Ohio, and Pennsylvania oppose the Iran pact by more than two to one. That was at Quinnipiac. Quinnipiac um, uh, poll, but uh, in Florida, I think it was 61-25, in Ohio, 58-24, Pennsylvania, 61-26. These are incredible numbers after all that has been invested in um, promoting the message or countering the message, and by two to one, in virtually every poll, there is the American people are opposed to it, the vast majority want their congressmen to vote against it. By 70-some percent, they, they do not trust Iran. Uh, that is a resultant part of the educational effort. I mean, if you think about the vital issues, and few more important than this one, uh, where you haven't had this kind of, of tension, and, and a lot of it, frankly, stimulated by the prime minister's uh, own stance and his speech, really raised the profile. You can agree or disagree about it, but you can't deny that he he has had an impact in in raising profile, encouraging the debate. The famous cartoon he held up at right. the uh, UN mm-hmm. really was, uh, I think, the, the uh, initiation of of a lot of the debate. And by the way, the Iranians never violated the limit that he set there on the number of kilograms that they could have. So your question is a valid one, and the you know the billboards the. The expressions and then the counter and, and uh, supportive uh, ads done. I, I think some of them are very creative. You've seen the one by the war veterans, by and then generals for generals against. The ad by that you mentioned by a group that I don't know called No Nukes for Iran. If there are no nukes for Iran, it was surprising the position. <laughs> very good. You're right. I just see the website. You're right. Wow. Uh, but the, the fact that all the all of them were Jewish also. I know. Uh, so I don't know whether that, you know, I mean, obviously it was deliberate because there are a lot of other yeah. Jewish former members. I forgot half of them were members of Congress, frankly. <laughs> uh, well, some of them were, were a while ago. Yeah. But there, it, it's happening all over that people are being enlisted, um, people, Israeli officials, uh, 
uh, military or, or security officials who were in the past uh, are being enlisted because if for the sides that that uh, want to advance that point of view. So, you know, I think it, it serves a purpose. You need to educate people. The issues are so technical, and you know, people generally glaze over. But now I see people, you know, ask questions. They ask about such specific details. You know about the about the number of centrifuges and things. Nobody knew what a centrifuge was, mm-hmm. and today people are aware of what each why each detail is significant. That each thing can contribute to some really serious changes or consequences. And there are some newspapers and other media outlets that are unabashedly for the deal editorially but are themselves printing articles about the future risks of this deal and what could happen, you know, 10, 15 years from now. And we should mention that many newspapers that traditionally don't take position have or and many of them have taken position against or expressing their concerns. With You, you don't find people, many, who will say this is a good deal. Right. Almost no one. I don't even think people in the administration, others that I've spoken to, I know express you know reservations about it. But their argument, the argument is, there's no alternative. The alternative is war. The alternative is a uh, collapse of the system. Iran gets free to do what they want. But you don't hear people come and say, and certainly not foreign leaders, even European leaders, others constantly say, look, we're really troubled by some of the things in the in the deal that that they recognize the breakout period, the financial things that. Even though they're getting in line now, mm-hmm. the Swiss are ad- openly advocating for people to invest in Iran. You have delegations going all the time. From so many other countries as well. It's unbelievable. Many, and, and the European countries in the forefront. It'll be interesting to see how the Chinese crisis affects it, because they were the major, a major purchaser of energy from Iran. And now with their... Uh, yeah. the economic problems, it'll be interesting to see how that manifests itself. That's some coincidence, huh? Yeah, well, I, hope, I guess so. Yeah, I guess. But, but but look at Russia's role. And this is you know with all that Russia has going on, they they just uh, signed the deal to sell the S three hundred, which is the an advanced version of it, which is the missile defense system. Yesterday, and this was on and off sale after the uh, sanctions went in place, but they went back on, and this is considered a very serious development because of the it gives. Iran additional protection against a potential attack. Uh, yet they they held it up again because they couldn't agree on the price. So the Iranians are the Zairis and are trading and you know want to look at a better deal for it. Well, the, the Iranians want a better deal, and Russia knows that they're going to have a cash windfall soon. So well, that's right. But but that is serious. But a hundred percent, yeah. Cash because you got Russian arms sales now. CC is there from Egypt. Uh, Abdullah the second of Jordan. The Crown Prince of the United Arab Emirates, they're all there to buy, to make purchases. Uh, uh, Iran uh, and Russia are said to be cooperating now on satellites and, and aircraft development production. Um, maybe because of Russia's economic things, they, they believe Iran can be a source of uh, financial support for uh, some of this. And in the middle of all of it, Russia announces this new intermediate-range caliber. It's called missile, which can hit all of Europe. It can carry a nuclear or conventional warhead, the SSN-30A, and I say it because people will hear about this now. It can go by sea or by land, and there is a cruise missile version, which would be a violation of the 1987 Intermediate Range Agreement, uh, Nuclear Forces Agreement. But 
Russia is moving ahead. This has a 600, 900 uh, mile range, and you could see, easily see that this will be sold to the Iranians uh, at some point, some point soon. Yeah. So, you know, everything, the the release of money, all of these things are going to have long term impacts. And many of them negative. Malcolm Holmline with us. Let me just uh, interject for a second and remind our listeners we have a new feature that we have um, implemented, especially for those who may have missed the first few minutes of our weekly update because people are tuning in throughout the morning. Uh, now, almost immediately, uh, literally by the time or by Uden finishes, almost immediately uh, after the uh, weekly update is concluded, you can access the archive of this week's, today's, this weekly update by going to the weekly update section in the archive section of the NSN app. So keep that in mind. It's, again, the weekly update section of the archive section of the NSN app. Uh, all right, uh, not, not to dwell too much on this because, uh, well, for whatever reason, but let, let's just go through quickly some of the people who have recently made announcements. I mean, in, this audience has gone everywhere from disappointed to thinking it's disgraceful about the uh, the, the uh, decision that's now official Last week at this time, you'll remember, was not official by Jerry Nadler, Congressman Nadler, about voting for the deal. He's somewhat shocked that the vitriol has been as uh, as acute as it has been. I don't know why he would have expected differently. Any reaction to his uh, um, to his direction on the vote of the Iran deal? Well, I think that people highlight what uh, what his decision was because he he represents the largest Jewish district uh, percentage wise in the country in terms of the total population as right. well. He, um, you know, he was he got a letter from the president, but it acknowledged that that the president hasn't spoken to him for the first what six years of the administration or, or more, um, and and I think because it, you know as a Jewish member he's not the first Jewish member to come out in support of it, but coming from New York people saw this as a shift or as uh, would influence others, uh, and it was certainly highlighted in uh, in that way. As as uh, as a game changer in the in the tally, it, it, it wasn't necessarily a game changer. I don't think you know congressmen really looked to, to Nadler necessarily as a follow-up, but it is a cover to say, look, if the guy yeah. represents the largest Jewish district, right. and that then becomes you know highlights the issue for for many people. He could have held off. Why didn't he do it later? Right. Many concerns about about it, and the question. Is on what basis was was the decision made, and that's true for everybody. Look, these are difficult things. Um, I asked him if he had read the UN resolution, and he told me that he hadn't. But you can't understand the bill and its implications if you don't understand what the UN resolution uh, says, because in it is, for instance, the waiver of the eight year and five years on the ballistic missile and conventional weapons, which everybody touts. But there it says that once they're found to be in compliance, it gets waived. The other thing is that now, you know, many others have come out, and the, the debate has shifted to the issue of filibuster. Right. And the people, again, it, you know, I know these are all eye, you know, things that people's eyes glaze over, but it's very important. The, the, there was an understanding, at least we thought that the, and we're told that there would not be a filibuster, which is in part true, <laughs> that there was an agreement when the legislation um the Corker uh, Cardin bill passed, but it it seems that it only applies to not blocking the debate, the discussion of the law. So the the deal will come up in in front of Congress. In other words, everyone agrees that we'll debate on it. That's right. right. But then they have a right to have a filibuster. Right. But to break a filibuster, you need sixty votes. Right. 
that's why they highlight every single vote in the Senate yeah. um, to and in the House as well can do it. Right. Um, but and House will be more difficult for them. But to get uh, and why uh, Mr. Reed, whom, who some people were speculating would actually come out against the deal, came out for it. Um, and I know that many of the members have expressed privately views or expressed, you know, concerns about uh, about the deal, but but felt that they had to uh, to go to come out as they did. Uh, the idea of a filibuster, I think, will backfire because I think the American people will say, "Look, you, it's only fair you have this vital issue. Let everybody have a voice." And, and it'll just add to the whole perception of nothing getting done in Washington. And that will add exactly to to that, and I think heighten. This sense of tension. I think people have to be careful with the rhetoric. I don't think we should personalize or, or get into name calling. I do think you can hold people to account on any right. side of an issue. People feel very strongly, and rightly so. You had retired generals and admiral, admirals urging Congress to reject the deal, others who come out for the deal. So people have to really understand what's at stake. Look at the amazing articles, and I hope they read the dailyalert.org to right. get and go back over the week and see. Uh, some of the analyses, uh, uh, do, do we really prevent, for instance, a sneak out to a bomb? Not a breakout, you know, which takes six months or a year, they argue. But the question is, can they sneak out to a bomb because of, of, of the difficulty to inspect sites, for instance, or the, you know, the 24 days or the uh, uh, accessibility to money? And it's not whether it's $50 billion or $100 billion. A small fraction of the $50 billion going to Hamas and Hezbollah can be a game-changer. They don't need big money, but they want to get the guidance systems. They want, you notice that they are, are trying to move uh, missiles, uh, anti-tank and other kind of missiles, to Lebanon. Thank God Israel has been on top of it, but it's impossible on a day-to-day basis to, to know that you get everything. Um, and, and now the Republicans announced that the day after the vote, the final vote on the deal. Right. They're going to introduce new sanctions, and and uh, and there are ways to, that people say if the bill passes, it is that to keep the pressure on. They're <laughs> going to look for additional ways. Boy, when you talk about the day after, which you've been talking about for the last three months, that this okay. there's going to be some important stuff going on the day after. Well, <laughs> that's right. But but you know, some people ask me, well, why are you talk about the day after? I said, because you got to think ahead. You got to right. think the ramifications, and we have to be on top of it. That maybe even be able to introduce some of the things that can be done to, to strain. It doesn't mean that you write it off. It doesn't mean that you, you, you're giving up, but not at all. Right. Still, people are fighting on this uh, bill, I think, very strongly. In the beginning of September, you'll see a lot of activity in Washington when the members come back. We're getting there. It's the end of August. We are getting really close. It's very close, and people should be reminded uh, Minded of it, but then you look at all these Middle East leaders going to Moscow. All the sales of nuclear reactors of of, um, of advanced weaponry. So we're already seeing the arms race that we predicted the day of. Right, it's right. happening. They're right. all preparing uh, for people on the other hand, businessmen trying to prepare to do business and to think that this will uh, and somehow moderate. When the Foreign Secretary of Great Britain was there this week, Hammond, you know, he came out and he said that that the Rouhani going to have a change in tone about Israel. And a minute later, they came out and said, are you crazy? It has to be annihilated. There's no change in tone. If only we'd listen to the enemy. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FN Dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web 
jmnam.org. All right, let's do this quickly. Um, we, at least, you know, I, I don't have to include you because I don't want you to put you in an uncomfortable position, but we at the program here have lauded Senator Schumer, uh, Congressman Engel, Congressman Lo- Congresswoman Lowy, Congressman Israel, uh, Democratic Representative Grace Meng of Queens, Kathleen Rice of Long Island, all have stated their opposition to the deal. We know about Jerry Nadler. We spoke to him. And, of course, we know about Senator Gillibrand, a disappointing endorsement of the deal. Are you shocked that Carolyn Maloney, who before redistricting, by the way, was my congresswoman, are you shocked that she's opposing the Iran nuclear deal? Well, I can't say I'm shocked because I've spoken to her and she is. Uh, we have talked about it. Um, and we're still waiting to hear from uh, other members. And I hope that people will let those who come out and and take a courageous stance know. Oh yeah, she's got to be contacted for sure. I, I thought she'd take you know, the party line. Ready to criticize? Right. Very few people take the time. Right. To express appreciation. I, I just suspected it would be the party line with her, and I'm I'm. She really deserves praise for that. There's a fit. for being the first one. Oh, she's amazing. She's amazing. We we knew that from the second we met her before she was even a member of Congress. Um. There was um, there's a Facebook rumor. I don't think there's been any substantiated real news source. Apologies, Facebook. <laughs> there's a Facebook rumor about Cory Booker likely to vote um, for the deal. Now, knowing the way you've approached this over the last month, I'm assuming you're not going to say a word until you find out what he really says. But any thoughts as these rumors swirl about Senator Booker? And don't you agree, by the way, that his vote will be significant? I think his vote is significant. New Jersey is, uh, you know, seen as... Uh, um, a Jewish, uh, with a strong Jewish constituency, right. like uh, people from New York. And he's a darling of the Jewish right wing. You know, even though he's a Democrat, you know what I'm saying? Right. He was introduced to the community early on. They were big supporters of his. Right. And, uh, uh, but I've seen, and literally every day, I will get in three or four times, it, it will shift. In the morning, they'll tell me he's coming out for it. People <laughs> very close to him will call me and say, I just spoke to him. He's going to come out for it, and somebody else will call me and say, I just spoke to him. He's absolutely <laughs> going to be against it. And, and that literally goes on all day long. And, again, that's why uh, I, I shy away. People will think, uh, I, I don't want to do it. No, because no, I get that, yeah. speculate, right. and, and then people say, but you said he was going to right. come out one way or the other. We don't know. We don't know what influences. And the president, for instance, yesterday called in Hakeem Jeffries of, of Brooklyn, who represents uh, Flatbush in it. Who's also been a really good friend in many ways. And it's been a very good friend and, uh, and is truly conflicted about it and, and had meetings. Uh, uh, and I spoke to him as well during the week, and he's reached out to people. Uh, yeah, talk about a congressman. Ta- I mean, he really put a lot of time, as did many others. Right. They, some people are taking it. Look, my own congresswoman, Nydia Velasco, she's taking the process very, very seriously. I mean, I, uh, But a call from the president and right, the administration has, has you know, has a lot of weight. As, as a, yeah, but they've really turned it all on, yeah. and they are they are reaching out on an individual basis to members, and uh, you know when the White House calls, it's effective. Yeah, no question about it. All right, we always talk about symbolism. We know the UN meeting is coming up. Palestinians, according to the New York Times, want to raise their flag at the UN next month, a matter that could set off a diplomatic dispute in the General Assembly. Nearly twenty Arab countries submitted a one-page draft resolution to the General Assembly calling for organizations to non-member observer states, I don't know what the second one is, you probably do, to be granted the right to raise their flags at the gates of the U.N. headquarters. Um, you, you always talk about symbolism. Is this worth a battle? Are you, uh, are you on the front on this one? We have been, and we have, you know, we fought the non, 
non-member voters, uh, non-voting member status, right. but they already have it. They were granted it. Right. That's what gives them access to the UN agencies, and we believe that, that they really don't qualify for it. Uh, but people, you know, they're being compared to the Vatican, right. et cetera, and saying, "Well, they should have the same status as that." I'm not sure they're going to fight the battle over the flag. They they have been going back and forth about it, and as you know, uh, Abbas. Uh, announce his resignation, which always is a joke because it right. usually means that he's staying longer. <laughs> uh, and and the announced that you know that they're building. I don't, they didn't announce it officially, but the media caught it. A thirteen million dollar presidential mansion. People are saying that they don't have food. They don't have the resources. They they're begging. The international community gets a vast majority of of the finances are coming from foreign aid. Um, more per capita than any people on earth, and he's building a thirteen million dollar presidential mansion near Ramallah. Uh, and, the, uh, uh, the, and they said that they're self financing it, and they said, "Well, who's paying for it?" They said, "Well, the Ministry of Finance." <laughs> Where do you think they get the, the money from? Yeah. And it adds to the sense of corruption in the country, which, which, uh, if you notice, Hamas is now talking that the West Bank is their next goal. And that they're you know, going to try to replicate what they've done in Gaza there, something they've talked about. But when you hear Iran saying, we're going to provide weapons to everybody in the West Bank, we're going to um, escalate the situation there. Well, you put that together and you begin to worry even more when you have a regime that is, is, is so destabilized. And, you know, he's already in what, the seventh or eighth year of his four-year term. Uh, doesn't um, it, it is an additional concern that Israel has to take into account with the escalation in the north and then the south. Opening up a third front would be uh, of great concern. So, um, what what happens right now in the Palestinian Authority is something that everybody's going to watch carefully. What happens at the UN is more of a show. This it's symbolism, but symbolism counts. The new Saudi Arabian king comes to the U.S. next week. Significance of that visit. Well, they're going to talk about Iran. As you know, the Saudis, while they now come out with some sort of a statement accepting it, we know that they're not happy with the deal. They are very unhappy with the, with the deal, with anything that would seem to empower Iran, which is a major competition and which threatens to overthrow the Iranian government. They are fighting a war today in Yemen. That is a proxy war between Yemen and, and uh, Iran, uh, between the Saudi Arabia and Iran. Right. It's not so much proxy anymore. It's more direct and increasingly... Uh, uh, direct the um, uh, so he he's coming here uh, they're going to be at the UN General Assembly although it seems that some of the leaders who announced may not come you know, the most recent is, are the rumors that Putin uh, will not come or will just come and give a speech that he was planning a meeting here and did not get the support that they he expected or the attendance so there's uh, a, a lot of speculation at the United Nations about What's really uh, what? How many of the leaders are really going to show up for the session? But the Saudi king—it's—it's it's really his son who is who is uh, extremely influential. The king was expected to be just a, a, an interim figure, but he has certainly put his mark in a much stronger way on Saudi Arabia than was anticipated. Hmm. So it sounds like, in a way, this might be an understated UN gathering compared to some of the past years, where there's been a lot of action and a lot of headlines. Well, actually, it was going to be overstated because I think 170 world leaders were expected. And as you know, Netanyahu is planning to come. Right. But because of the Chagim, it's very difficult. So he'll come Cholomoid. Uh, he'll speak, uh, I think, that Wednesday at the United Nations. Um, uh, but it, it's not understated at all. And 
it, uh, there are a lot of issues that will start coming up, including the succession to Ban Ki-moon, who right. I think will, will end his term earlier in 2016. Uh, you saw some of the candidates for that? I have met with several of the candidates for that. Can imagine. None have me clicking my heels in joy yet. Well, I don't know if he did either when you met him the first time, right? Or not necessarily? No, but he, he, he has... Um, I think he has trended the wrong way of late. Right. Uh, in, right. In, uh, he certainly was a friend of Israel, considered a friend of Israel when he came in. Yeah. Disappointing in during the war last summer, right? He was then and some of the statements since. Yeah. Look, he has to operate within a, a U.N. Yep. Uh, environment that is not friendly at all. <laughs> and, and the U.N. establishment, the internal figures, many of them are people. So he's gonna, he wants to run for president of South Korea, so that's mm. really his focus uh, uh, right now, but you see, you don't see. Well, why isn't there condemnation now when Hamas comes out, shows films, says they're rebuilding the tunnels that everybody agrees is illegal? Right. United Nations, nothing. The, the missiles across the border, no, no response. Sometimes the the secretariat will issue a statement, but you don't see. And then people question why the criticism and why we, we the skepticism about the United Nations. We don't dismiss it. I agree, it's important because things can be done there that are very unhelpful. But just just look at the last weeks. What what the record uh, of what they've done and their what the role of their forces and and um, uh, and the statements that uh, uh, that are made. Yeah. There's some people who are saying that Donald Trump will solve all of this. <laughs> yeah, Donald Trump is saying it. In a widely watched terrorism lawsuit that drew the attention of the Obama administration, a federal judge in Manhattan ruled Monday that the PA would have to post $10 million and an additional $1 million monthly to appeal a huge damages award for its role in six terrorist attacks in Israel that had killed and injured Americans. You must be somewhat surprised at this decision. I'm not surprised by the court ruling. We've had a whole series of these court rulings, each one is an important victory as a statement against terrorism and that people will be held to, held to account and that those who aid and abet the, the ruling against the Arab Bank was very significant. Will they see this money? So that's the question now is, is do, do they somehow get protected? The administration uh, interceded to, to lower the bond that they had to put up. I think it's now $10 million. Many members of the families involved protested and said it's too little. Others you know, we're saying uh, they shouldn't have to be uh, hold a bond. Of course, they have to be held to account and, and a bond, and you know that you can't trust them and they're not going to pay it. So there are very few resources, uh, both in regard to Iran and in regard to the PA, that can be seized anymore. Most of the bank accounts, other things, have been uh, have been seized because of previous uh, rulings about their role in, in terrorism. But it reminds you of their uh, direct role, that it's not the terrorists. The terrorists can't operate in a vacuum. They can't operate if they don't have, you know, states and, and uh, governments and officials uh, supporting, aiding, and abet them, yeah. even in, in terms of the money, whether it's paying pensions to martyrs, quote, martyrs, you know, those who, who terrorists who carry out these terrible attacks. And, um, and, and, and you see that this, how the focus then shifts each time to Israel. The fact that Egypt, uh, Lebanon, Jordan, and others are deporting Palestinians back to Syria, and uh, that about 70,000 Palestinians uh, are, uh, from Syria are living in neighboring countries, they're pushing them back. They do it under the guise that, well, this will undermine the right of return demand that we make, when in fact they don't want them destabilizing the societies, and it's an excuse to, um, to, shift, them, to shift them back. 
at the same time, we saw a report that that 20% of the Palestinians support uh, uh, Islamic Jihad, and that uh, and a thousand are believed to be preparing to join them. A hundred went over, uh, according to a report, a seemingly reliable report. Uh, this is causing a lot of concern about what's happening within the Palestinian society. But, but you know that now they have an open door that people can can just go there, fight, get trained, be attracted by the uh, beheadings, which we saw again this week. Yeah, you know, horrific depictions, and it doesn't have any outrage anymore. Nobody reacts. Well, you warned that we'd become immune to it, and we did. Right. Um, list of the according to Jerusalem Post, list of the thirteen. Top Jewish newsmakers of 5775 is that? So David Blatt made the list, by the way. I don't know if you know who he is. He's the coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers. But that's not, but that's not why I bring this up. Really, he's a big hero. I, no, no, no question about it. I'm not even, I'm not kidding. It just, that's not really the point of me bringing it up. You know who uh, was on this list? And I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm making too big of a deal of this. Maybe this is more for Shabbos table discussion when, when we're together. But Wendy Sherman's on the list. And, I don't know. Do you look at it as an irony that a member of the Jewish faith is chief U.S. negotiator in this nuclear deal with Iran? I think the Jewishness is completely coincidental, and especially in her case. I don't think it's it's a relevant factor. Uh, I'm surprised that she would make the list, uh, even though she obviously was in the news a lot together with Secretary Kerry. Yeah, just top newsmakers, right? Right. And... Um, uh, uh, people discuss whether effectiveness or history, where she came from, how she got to the position that we, she, she was in, and she was the one who negotiated the Korea deal. Right. But you know what is it, remarkable, and I, I just mentioned this uh, last night, that Secretary <laughs> Kerry has disappeared from the debate. You don't see him anywhere. And you don't see Wendy Sherman hardly anywhere. Right. They were out there in Congress, they were doing other things. And now, at the height of this, Joe Biden is being trotted out a lot. You know, to speak about it, and he's going to Florida. Yeah, why wouldn't they use the two of them to really lobby for the deal, even in the media? I have no idea. So funny. Front page of the Jewish Week this week, an article about this potential uh, uh, reignition of the Israel-Hamas peace talks and Tony Blair being very involved. Do you think there's any future for this? Well, Tony Blair no longer has an official position. The Europeans got rid of him. He, he is he's somebody who has ties on both sides and is very has been fair. Uh, close to a lot of people in Israel, um, I think that the the denials are right. That this is not about a long term peace agreement or truce. Uh, Hamas leaders uh, denied it. Israeli officials have denied it. I do think that there are talks going on, and that maybe for an interim period, because they they are they are afraid of, of IS as well, the Islamic State operations in uh, in Gaza. They are worried about Islamic Jihad and that Iran is going to fund Islamic Jihad against them or over them. Um, and they have suffered the uh, losses, and, and the ability to rehabilitate after the war has been shockingly uh, minimal, not because Israel hasn't allowed the goods in, not because they didn't get a lot of money from abroad, but because it's all corruption, and the money goes into building new tunnels. They put out a film this week of, of the new tunnels, and, and supposedly showing how they've rehabilitated the tunnels that Israel uh, destroyed. That is not somebody who's negotiating the long-term <laughs> yeah. Exactly. One, maybe one day the world will realize that, although it seems that, that the worldview is very cloudy when it comes to this issue. Uh, Malcolm uh, might 
uh, be uh, traveling next week and unable to join us. Anything you want to add, Mr. Holmline, before we wrap things up this week? Well, uh, I, I will be uh, traveling abroad, but I'm, as always, I try to work it out. Yeah, we're going to try to do it. We'll let everyone know. Right. Right. Uh, and uh, I hope I will see a lot of people in Russia. Shunit with Cliff Lake. Ooh, those I, who miss it will, will make up for it. Uh, I'll do it. Now, one second, one second. Where, where are you, Russia, Shana? Woodcliff Lake. Wood, Woodcliff Lake, New Jersey? Pardon me? Woodcliff Lake, New Jersey? Yes. You're that close by and yet so exotic. How do you like that? It's a great resort, and, uh, and Rabbi Moshe Fuchs and his crew do an amazing job there. So. And now how many times, it's a two-day unth of this year, how many times over Rosh Hashanah are they going to make you speak, Malcolm? Fourteen. Nah, come on. <laughs> three, four solid lectures? Uh, two or three, because they have other speakers, uh, very effective. Come on, who wants to go to the other speakers? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but you'll... But you'll only s- a two-day yontif. It's not a three-day yontif right. this time, so we're more restricted. All right, and, you know, davening takes a little longer and stuff like that. But I have a feeling after every meal, people will have an opportunity to speak to you, whether it's in a formal lecture or just the general Q&A that people walk if over. They to don't s- have the opportunity. They make the opportunity. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate it. I think people's concerns and when people are concerned on a substantive level and they really want to talk about it seriously and even let me know their points of view which i, I always welcome hearing um if it's done right um it, it, people have to stay concerned this issue isn't going to die with the vote and and that is why i talked about the day after that if people think we're coming to a cliff we're going to fall off of it and that's the end of it it's not it we're going to be involved in this fight against iran for many years to come, we have to stay on top of it, whatever the outcome. And God willing, we still can can see a positive outcome out of all this, that we will have to stay on our government and on the foreign governments and on the demands and highlighting what they're doing. Because you know that Iran is not going to rest. Uh, they're not resting now. They're moving ahead on, on every front. And they will do even more. And there are things that can be done. Yeah, they're going to stay a step ahead. Everybody else has to stay at least a step ahead. That's right. And, and to understand what they're doing and the the um, uh, and highlighting the violation of human rights, what they're doing to 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 Christians, to Baha'is, to everybody in, in the country, what they're doing outside the country, and believe me, we're going to see uh, a, a, an influx of money because they will have now this this uh, windfall over a year, or a year and a half, two years, whatever it will be. But it doesn't matter because they can; they're already starting to see new monies going to, to Hezbollah, according to reports, that they are very much involved in the attacks from the Golan, mm. directly linked to, to Iran. And if they're doing that now, how much more so once they have a deal and think that, that this is locked up? Yeah, that's true. Tom uh, Shabbos of Pelham Parkway. My crack research team found the information, Malcolm. <laughs> presents Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur at the four-star Woodcliffe Lake. By the way, you know, no joking around. You're going to be in the lineup, and you know who else is there? Rabbi Tzvi Flaum, very impressive. Dr. Eddie Reichman, very impressive. And Betty Ehrenberg, very impressive. you got, you got to be on your toes, Mr. Homeline. I'll be listening. That's He'll be enjoying their lectures. Uh, it happens starting Sunday night, September the 13th, for Rosh Hashanah at the four-star Woodcliffe Lake Hilton Hotel and Spa. If you want to join Malcolm Holmline and bug him during Rosh Hashanah the way I bug him every Friday, you can call 1-800-522-1850, one 800 Five two two eighteen fifty, and there you have it. So next week we'll let everyone know what the story is, and uh, obviously we'll Emir Tashem speak before Yontif. Thanks so much for joining us, and have a wonderful Shabbos. Good Shabbos. There he is, Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman.
Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations here on a Friday morning. Don't forget that the weekly update is going to be available within minutes. Probably by the time Rabbi Yudin ends, the weekly update from today will be available in the weekly update section of the archive section of the NSN app. The weekly update section of the archive section in the NSN app. Simple as that. This time each and every Friday morning, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Pashas Kiseitse. Pashas Kiseitse has the distinction of having the greatest number of mitzvot than any other parsha in the Torah. In its 110 psukim, it contains, according to the Chinuch, 74 mitzvot. There are 27 positive and 47 restrictions found in Parshas Kiseitse. Among the mitzvot found in this parsha is that of burial. Interestingly, as Rav Hirsch points out, the Torah teaches in the extreme. The Torah says you are to bury the criminal. If you are to bury the criminal, all the more so the average good Jew is to be buried and no other form of um, putting the body to rest. Cremation is against Jewish law. Above ground burial is against Jewish law. The laws of Kiddushin, marriage, divorce, the laws of Yibam and Chalitza, Levrit marriage, the laws of Amalek are just a few of the many mitzvot found in Parshas Kiseitse. Interestingly, I'd like to begin with the very first, indeed most challenging mitzvah of the Parsha, which is that of the Afas Toar. The Torah tells, tells us at the very beginning of the Parsha that if a Jewish soldier goes to war, and there he sees an attractive woman, because unfortunately the enemy would do just that. They would send their women to try to seduce the soldiers, literally, in and around the battlefield. So should a Jewish soldier away from home, away from his environment, be attracted to the non-Jewish woman on the battlefield. So the Torah, if you and I were asked to edit it, I would say the Torah should say, like in the bakery, look but don't touch. No, the Torah says, and literally, you desire her, then you may take her to yourself for a wife. This is the opening paragraph. Now, it's very important that we understand that we have two Torah. We have the written Torah and the oral Torah. And Rashi tells us that in part of the oral Torah, that God knows the nature of man better than man knows his own nature. And very simply, if the Torah would not permit it, then he would do it anyway. But now, let's understand something. Lest one walk away and think 
they understand from the beginning of the parasha that this is a quote mitzvah and that this is something which the Torah advocates Rashi continues and says be careful because especially in the book of Devarim we are taught in the beginning of the Gemara Yavamos Dorshin Smuchin which means the fact that different laws are juxtaposed are placed one next to the other it's not by chance it's not random there's a reason for it and so the first paragraph is written next to the paragraph which begins if a man has two wives one he will love and the other one correct he will hate and True, the context there is in regard to primogeniture, who is the Bukhor, who was the firstborn, regarding the laws of inheritance. But it's very clear. The Torah is telling us, if you take such a woman as a wife, and indeed there's a process, as you see from the Torah, how he can even take her, because the Torah is trying its darnest to dissuade the soldier from his immediate lust and to literally make him come to his senses but should he take her, the Torah says in the end he will come to hate her and what's the third paragraph afterwards, if a man should have a ben sorer umoreh, a wavered and rebellious son, in other words no good is going to come of this, so very important for us to recognize from the very beginning of Parshas Kiseitze is that there is what is known as the letter of the law and equally as important is a very important spirit of the law that emerges from the opening three paragraphs and that is that this is not the will of God and this is not what the Torah wants of man and therefore it's so important for us to get a pulse on just that the reach the desire of the Torah and what Torah wants from man. The Gemara tells us in Brachos, Daf, Yud, Zion, Amr Aleph, that Ashrei, fortunate, Adam, She'amalo Torah, a man who literally toils in Torah, V'ose Nachas Ruach, and gives pleasure to his maker. Now, interestingly, the Mesilas Yesharim in chapter 18, in the, his explanation of the trait of Chasidus, of piety, defines what does it mean to be a Chasid, not someone who only observes by definition the 613 mitzvot, but goes beyond the observance of the mitzvah to literally try to bring pleasure to God by knowing not just from the letter of the law, but more important, the spirit of the law as to what God wants. So, for example, and this is the example that he brings, a father will hint to the son that he is thirsty. And so, the son can, quote, satisfy his mere obligation by bringing the father a glass of water, or the son will go and get his father 
whatever the father really likes, a fine wine or whatever, because the child wants to truly please his father. And so indeed, what do we find regarding Yaakov when Yaakov is told by his mother, who was told in prophecy that Yaakov was to get the blessing from his father Yitzchak, she says, you bring, go to the cattle and take Shnei Gedoye Izim, bring to your father two goats. And what does he do? Not only does he bring the goats, but he brings, as the Torah tells us there as well, he brings wine. Now why is he bringing wine? Because clearly Yaakov wants to go lifnim mishura sadim. He doesn't want to simply satisfy that which is the quote-unquote letter of the law, but he wants to go beyond. And this is that very important message which is emerging from Parshas Kiseitze that we are to do on behalf of Hashem, not just the letter, but to go beyond. And indeed, the Gemara in Bava Basra, Daf Yud Amr Aleph, reconciles what appears to be a contradiction within the Torah. On the one hand, at the end of the Parshas Bahar, in the book of Ayikra, chapter 25, Pasuk 55, the Torah says, Kili Yisrael Avodim, the Jewish people are literally my servants. And yet we find two weeks ago in Parshas Re'ei, Bonimatem Lashem Elokeichem. In the fifth book, chapter 14, Pasuk 1, you are literally children unto God. Make up your mind. Are we servants? Are we children? And the Gemara says in Basra 10a very clearly, Bisman she Yisrael osin ritzono shalmokom. At a time when the Jewish people literally do the will and the desire of God which means beyond the letter of the law. The letter of the law says if I'm wearing a four-cornered garment, I am obligated in tzitzis. And what do the Jewish people do? The Jewish people go out of their way and buy a garment of four corners in order to realize this is what God wants and this is pleasing to Hashem. When they don't satisfy that when they don't give, unfortunately, the pleasure to God, don't go beyond, then they are considered, what? Avodim, servants to God. The Gemara tells us at the very end of the 7th, 6th chapter of Bava Metziah, the very end of Asokher Esoumnim, the Gemara has a story whereby Rabba Bar Bar Hanan. What did he do? He had workers who were transporting barrels of wine for him. The workers were negligent and broke the barrels. So what did he do? He in turn took their coats as payment for the wine and the loss that they caused him. 
what did they do the workers they went to Rav and they said to Rav oh my goodness give us our garments because after all we are poor so Rav told Rabba Barbar Hanan give them back their garments said Rabba Barbar Hanan is this the law Dino Hachi he said to him in yes as it is written in the book of Proverbs the book of Mishlei chapter 2 Pasuk 20 in order that you go on the path of good people. Now, so what did he do? He listened to Rav and he gave him their coats. And then they go back to Rav and they say, we are poor and we need the wages to be paid us. So once again, he goes back and Rav says to Rav, Baba Hanan, pay them. And amazing, remember, they broke his wine. And so, once again, he says, is this the law? And he completed the Pasuk that we cited earlier. Yes, Orchos Tzadikim Tishmor. Literally, the ways of the righteous are to be kept. Now let's understand something. One could argue that this was for Rab. Because after all, he was a Tamil Chacham. But the Gemara is not simply telling us a story. The Gemara is telling us that it's very nice that we are modest. But each person should look at himself and realize that in accordance with their station and in accordance with whom they are, they are to act appropriately. Namely, they are to be forgiving. They are to be giving to the next one. They are to go out of their way and not follow only the letter of the law, but they are to follow literally that very special spirit of the law. The Gemara in Kedushin, Daf Ayin Aleph Omid Beis, an incredible Gemara that I couldn't make up. So Ula asked Listen carefully now. He goes and he asks Rav Yehuda, how is it that your son Rav Yitzchak has not yet married? So Rav Yehuda says, I really can't find a person of proper yichus for him. Take a look at the Gemara in Kedushin Ayin Aleph Amibayz because I couldn't make this up. And what did he say? He said, you want to know what true Yichus is? Go, he said to him, Zil Basa Shtikusa. Literally, go after silence. What does that mean? Look for a family with good midos, with good traits, whose characteristics are quiet and peaceable, which means that when people are arguing and fighting, take a look and see who is the first one to quiet down. Who is the first one who's being mevater? And that is the one that's the person who is, quote, genealogically purer than the others, the one with the proper midos, the one that's willing to forgive, the one that's willing to give in, the one that's willing to be big. Again, this is that very special lesson which is emerging from the first 
three paragraphs of the Torah reading of Kiseitze, that it's not only the letter of the law, but rather that very special spirit of the law, which is that which brings Nachas Ruach to Hashem. I close with that famous Zemer that so many of us begin our Zemiros on Friday night. Literally, whoever sanctifies the Shabbos in accordance with it. Whoever safeguards the Shabbos from desecrating it. Their reward is very great. I'll pee for Allah in accordance with a person's actions. Now what does that mean? It means a person can get into bed on Shabbos afternoon and sleep the whole day away. My goodness, is that the way you are Mekadesh Shabbos? Is that the way you sanctify it? Sure, you are not a Mechalel Shabbos. You didn't desecrate the Shabbos. But that's not the spirit of Shabbos. The spirit of Shabbos is for a person to... Please, God, make that Shabbos a very special day. And so we find ourselves in Elul and all the various acronyms of Anila Dodi Vidodi Li and Ishla Reyehu and Matanos Levyonim and Umol Hashem Lokechas Levovchas Levav Zarecha and they go on and on. All these acronyms say one thing. Let us develop that closer, special relationship and go not within the letter of the law, but please God, beyond the letter of the law, that special spirit. And if we act that way towards Him, guaranteed, that's the way He will reciprocate in kind. Shabbat Shalom to all. Did we get the entire Elul show for blowing in? I hope so. <laughs> I hope we didn't start with the Shvarim. I couldn't hear what was going on. I don't know why that monitor was off. Anyway, it's JM and the AM at 20 minutes before 9 o'clock. Yes, the Elul show for blowing until uh, Erev Rosh Hashanah. Erev Rosh Hashanah, we do not blow the show for. We do blow the show for every Sunday through Friday between... Uh, uh, every Sunday through Friday during Elul, uh, except for Erev Rosh Hashanah. Um... Candle lighting time, 7.14 on this era of Shabbos, Parshas Kitetze. 7.14 is candle lighting time. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Uh, we mentioned with Malcolm that he might be traveling next week and may not be able to join us. We'll obviously update you during the week in terms of the feasibility of doing a weekly update next Friday. But the next one, the one before Rosh Hashanah, the final one of the year, he should be available, so we'll get that in for sure, Bezrat Hashem. Also, a... Um, Hachnas is safer Torah. I want to wish a Mazel Tov to Congregation Agudas Tov on Staten Island. Their Hachnas is safer Torah on Sunday begins at 4 p.m. at 19 Dewar Street and goes to 5 Oakville Street to Congregation Agudas Tov. Uh, we say Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM and the AM. That is happening on, uh, that is happening on Sunday, 4 p.m. Um, Somebody contacted me from the Hasidic community and asked me to announce the following. This is a serious Hashavas Aveda, a serious um, lost and found issue. Someone at the Papa Boys Camp parking lot on visiting day 
found a large sum of cash. If anybody out there um, fits into this category, seriously, if you lost or or misplaced a large amount of cash in the Puppa Boys Camp parking lot on visiting day, we have a contact of somebody who would like to return the money to you. I am not kidding. Uh, I have the cell phone number. Just email me if if it's serious that you really uh, uh, think you left it there. Uh, email me uh, at any of the email addresses, and we'll make sure to, to put you in contact with uh, the proper person. So no no kidding around. A lot of very serious people out there when it comes to returning lost objects, and in this case, a lost large amount of um, of cash. No joke. A couple other community calendar announcements. We'll get to it. More coming up. Keep it here at JM and the AM. A brand new selection from Lipa here at JM and the AM.
Steig in der heilige Zimmer, finde uns kleine Rebe. Sei du in das Liebe schmelzer, in der Rebe kickst du frei. Ai, 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 Liebe schmelzer, kennen, kennen. Liebe Leute, ich bezähle mit Atalanta speziell.
with Bosh Shabbos. Yeah, Bosh Shabbos, Bamanucha. A lot of people appreciate that message, I'll tell you that much. Uh, before that, Leap of Brand New here at JMM. Don't forget, Roy Newberger Monday. He is the prolific author, the incredible lecturer. He and his wife, Leah, will join us. They've been here before. Always incredible guests. Leah and Roy Newberger this coming Monday here at JM in the AM. I just spoke with Ruth, who's going to be taking care of the camera work on Monday. Nothing they could do about this Schlossian beard. Yeah. What can I do? <laughs> I'll have to explain it during the interview, maybe. Why I look so unkempt. Uh, anyway, Roy is out with a brand new book, Working Toward Mashiach. We will discuss it with him. He, of course, wrote Central Park, From Central Park to Sinai. He wrote 2020 Vision. That's when he was here last time when that book came out. And uh, he'll be here Monday along with his wife, Leah. And they are always fascinating guests. I feel like I gotta do their whole story over again for those who may not have heard it last time, so I gotta be careful how I conduct this interview on the Monday morning. Hey, Yeshiva Zev Hatora reminds everybody they have the big Kumsitz coming up on Sunday. 
Yeshiva Zev HaTorah has the uh, Fountainside Grill Kumzitz with Rav Shmuel Brazil Shlita. Uh, it's this Sunday, the 30th of August, and you are all invited to participate and to have this incredible experience this Sunday with a grill and with wine tasting and a whole bunch of wonderful things that are going to be going on during the event. Information, you can go to the Zev HaTorah website, Z-E-E-V HaTorah.org, Z-E-E-V HaTorah.org. You can click there and get your reservations in. And... Um, and there you have it. You can just uh, go and enjoy and have a wonderful time. It's a fountainside grill kumzitz with delicious food, great wine, and wonderful music, as you can imagine, with the great uh, Rabbi Shmuel Brazil. And Menachem Lewin contacted us. Apparently, he's got a big event coming up this weekend. That's right. Shlomo Katz is in concert with Divrei Hisarus that he will be, uh, that he will, um, with Divrei Hasaurus by Moshe Weinberger. Shlomo Katz does the music. Divrei Hasaurus by Weinberger. Young Israel of Lawrence Cedarhurst. 9.30 tomorrow night. That is quite a lineup. Enjoy. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM&M. The sun is going down. It's shining through the trees. Another week's gone by.
Shekinah Bishrael and Achim Achem, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmdm.org. Reminder, Alea and Roy Newberger, our guest this coming Monday here at JM in the AM. He's got a brand new book out, and we cannot wait till they visit us on Monday. Should be a lot of fun. It always is when they converse with us on the air. Uh, don't forget, Matis has a great edition of JM Sunday coming up starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time on the stream. Kedem presents our incredible Arab Shabbos music mix coming up all day long after Naomi Nachman and the Aussie Gourmet uh, Table for Two program. So stay with the NSN app and, of course, with jmnam.org all through the day and all through the weekend. We will speak with you next Monday morning. Have a fabulous Shabbos, great weekend. Until next time, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.